Welcome to the Marion Road Christian Church Podcast. Marion Road exists to glorify God through worship, sharing the good news, making and developing disciples, and serving others. Well, like Isaac said, uh, we are, and introduced us to a little bit, we're starting a new series today. And my guess is, even if this is the first time you have ever been in a church building, this is a passage of scripture that you have heard before, Psalm 23. You've maybe heard it uh, at, at funerals. You've maybe heard it uh, standing at a graveside of a loved one. You've maybe heard it in a hospital room. You have probably heard Psalm 23 at some point or another, this passage of scripture dealing with who God is and what the shepherd David tells us about his care for us. And with a passage like Psalm 23 that we are so familiar with, the temptation would to be, yeah, we got Psalm 23 figured out. Let's move on to something that's a little more complicated. But just because we're familiar with a passage of Scripture does not mean there is nothing for us to learn. So we're going to look at this passage pretty closely over the next few weeks and and use it as a jumping-off point to look at what Scripture has to tell us about who God is as our shepherd. And over the course of this series, I want to give everyone, all of us, a challenge to try to memorize this psalm. And that might sound intimidating to you, but I think this psalm is short enough and it's well-known enough that just by uh, repeating it together week in and week out, we can uh, get those words deep down in our hearts. And there's a chance that you've already memorized Psalm 23, and you've maybe memorized it uh, in, a, in the King James Version or, or some other version. We're going to be uh, reciting it from the NIV over the course of these few weeks, so if some words seem odd to you or, or don't agree with, with what you remember, that's, that's okay. Uh, but what I want us to do each week is to uh, repeat those words and hear them ourselves so that we can hide God's words in our minds and in our hearts. So let's do that now. If you will read along with me, we're going to recite Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Very good. God is infinite. And we are not. God is eternal. Our time on earth, Scripture says, is like a mist floating through the air in comparison to who God is. God is present everywhere at all times. We are limited physical bodies only able to be in one place at one time. A a human mind trying to fully comprehend all about who God is and what he has done would be about like trying to fit all the oceans of the world into the cup you drink your coffee out of this morning. And because of that gap, 
that exists between us and God's scripture and theologians interpreting scripture often resort to metaphors to try to get at aspects of who God is. The human mind can't fully comprehend what it means that God is eternal. Everything we have ever known except for God has a, a very clear starting point and end point. But God does not. And we can't fully get our head around the fact that God always has been and always will be, but we can start to get our mind around what all that means by saying that God is a rock and a firm foundation. And we don't mean by that that God is literally a rock, but we mean that when we say that, those, that expresses something about the constant unchanging nature of our God. And the same thing is going on when we come to Psalm 23 and we hear King David say that the Lord is my shepherd. And when we read Scripture, we find shepherds all over the place, or at least we find them in Scripture a lot more than I find them in my day-to-day -day life. Uh, in the world of the ancient Israelites, a, a world where the climate is dry and agriculture is the absolute center of the entire economic system, shepherds play an important role. And being a good shepherd, knowing where to take your sheep so that they have food and water is extremely important. At the end of the book of Genesis, when the descendants of Jacob show up in Egypt for the first time, they come before Pharaoh, he asks them who they are, they say, we are shepherds by trade like our fathers were before us. When God first encounters Moses in Exodus chapter 3, we're told that Moses was tending the sheep of his father-in-law. Of course, like I've already mentioned this morning, the most famous shepherd in scripture is King David who goes from being the youngest in his family, being left to tend for the sheep of his family, not even invited to the, the ceremony to anoint the next king of Israel, to being that very king, the man that Scripture calls a man after God's own heart. Later, the prophet Amos is called away from being a shepherd to preach against the evils of his day. The night Jesus is born, some of the first people to find out about the birth of the Messiah is a group of shepherds out in the field watching their flocks by night. When Jesus wants to talk about the love of God, he talks about a shepherd who leaves his flock. Even though he has 99 sheep there, he leaves the 99 and goes and finds that one sheep so that it can be brought home. To be a shepherd in the ancient world is to constantly be with the sheep, to be their protection and their provision against all anything that might threaten them. And it's that example Scripture comes back to time and time again to make a point to us about what true love and care and provision and leadership looks like. And that image becomes especially important during the time of the prophets because of how this role is not being fulfilled among the leaders of the people of Israel. God had promised to shepherd his people. And one of the ways he had promised to go about doing that was to appoint leaders who would care for his people for him underneath the authority that God had given them. But as the prophets look at the world around them, they don't see that happening. And they rebuke those leaders of Israel, and, and, and they long for the day when God would fix this broken system, when God would get rid of these imperfect shepherds and would, would send a shepherd who was good, who would actually care for his people. So, even though this series is going to be focused on Psalm 23, we're actually not going to look at Psalm 23 this morning. I don't mean to uh, put a bait and switch on you, despite what the sermon graphic says, but we're, what we're going to do this morning is to look at what the prophet Ezekiel has to say about what it means to be a shepherd. 
And we're going to see Ezekiel dealing with the bad shepherds of his own day and looking forward to a time when God would do something about this situation and send a good shepherd to rule over his people. And the reason why we're going to do that is for us to have a little better sense of the significance of what Psalm 23 is getting at when it talks about the importance of God being a shepherd for his people. So we're going to be in Ezekiel 34 for a good portion of the sermon this morning. I'm going to start by reading verses 1 to 10 for us. Ezekiel is speaking. He says, The word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, This is what the sovereign Lord says. Woe to you shepherds of Israel who only take care of yourselves. Should not shepherds take care of the flock? You eat the curds, clothe yourselves with the wool, and slaughter the choice animals, but you do not take care of the flock. You have not strengthened the weak, or healed the sick, or bound up the injured. You have not brought back the strays or searched for the lost. You have ruled them harshly and brutally. So they were scattered, because there was no shepherd. And when they were scattered, they became food for all the wild animals. My sheep wandered over all the mountains and on every high hill. They were scattered over the whole earth, and no one searched or looked for them. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As surely as I live, declares the sovereign Lord, because my flock lacks a shepherd and so has been plundered and has become food for all the wild animals, and because my shepherds did not search for my flock but cared for themselves rather than for my flock, Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Sovereign Lord says. I am against the shepherds and will hold them accountable for my flock. I will remove them from, the tending, from tending the flock so that, that the shepherds can no longer feed themselves. I will rescue my flock from their mouths, and it will no longer be food for them. Like most passages of Scripture, context is really helpful for us to be able to see the significance of Ezekiel 34. Because in Ezekiel 33, Ezekiel, as he is sitting in the city of Babylon in exile, he gets word that the city of Jerusalem has fallen. The people living in Jerusalem had been assuming there was no way that their city could ever fall. I mean, I mean Jerusalem's where the temple is. Sure, sure, things aren't as great now as they were during the time of David and Solomon, but I mean, come on, God would never allow something bad to happen to the city where he put his temple, surely. Yet that's what's happened. Yes, God established a covenant with his people. Yes, God designated that Jerusalem would be the place where he would put his temple. Jerusalem would be the place where heaven and earth intersected. But the people had been unfaithful. God had wed himself to Israel, and Israel had been unfaithful time and time again. They had, Ezekiel says in chapter 33, they violated the food laws, they've worshipped other gods, they've shed innocent blood, they've committed sexual immorality, and now their disobedience has culminated with the loss of the inheritance God had given them. And that raises all sorts of questions for God's people. If God is so great, why did he let this happen? Does God just not care about us anymore? Could it be that the gods of Babylon are actually more powerful than the God of Israel? So to make sense of it all, God gives this message to Ezekiel in chapter 34. And he says that it starts at the top. 
It starts with the shepherds. They have not cared for the flock. Instead of caring for the flock, they've cared for themselves. Oh, they, they've, spent, they've spent plenty of time around the flock, but it's only been when there's something in it for them. They come around when things are good so they can get the benefits of being in authority. They, they are, make sure that they are there during milking time so they can get the milk and the curds. They come around when the sheep are being sheared because they want the best of the wool. They, they are there when it's time to butcher so that they can get the, the choicest of meats. They don't invest in the flock. They only use the flock for what they can get out of it. I've spent a fair amount of my life at church camp, and I want to preface what I'm about to say by saying I've not witnessed this at Pine Haven this summer or anything like that, but, but I've spent enough time at church camp to witness adults who come to church camp really only for what they can get out of it. I mean, they loved going to church camp when they were kids. It was great. It was this wonderful experience. But you get out of high school, they're not crazy about you coming to camp as a camper anymore. So really, the only way to, to go to camp is to go back as faculty. And so that's great. I get to go back to camp, and I'm going to have so much fun, and it's going to be wonderful. But, but really, you know, it, it's only about going there to enjoy all the things you used to enjoy about camp. So, you know, you make sure you show up for all the meals, obviously. Who wants to miss a meal when you're at church camp? You absolutely want to be there for recreation because that's the most fun part of the day, but, but really there's not a lot of interest in investing in the, the kids that are there to make sure they come closer to Jesus. And that has been the attitude of these shepherds that Ezekiel is speaking to. Now, they have failed, they have neglected God's people. And in the midst of that neglect, the people have suffered the sheep who were weak, who were susceptible to predators, they have been left vulnerable. The sheep who were sick or were injured haven't had anyone to care for them. The sheep who were lost out in the wilderness did not have anyone seeking them out to bring them back home. When the sheep needed their shepherds to actually, like, you know, be shepherds, they'd been nowhere to be found. And the result is that the flock has scattered all over the place. Animals who are not able to live on their own are out in the wild with the only option of fending for themselves, even though they're not able to do that because the shepherds have failed. And my guess is that at least some of us have experienced what it's like to have shepherds who don't fulfill their duty. Maybe it was a parent who, who neglected to invest in you to the amount that they, to the degree that they should have. And that failure has cast a long shadow over the rest of life. Maybe, maybe it was a boss who really only cared about what, they, what you could do for them as opposed to what they could do for you. They really only wanted to use you for their own ends instead of making sure that you could succeed. Maybe it was a teacher or a mentor somewhere along the way that that did not care about what they were teaching you or did not care about you to the degree that they should have. And so they didn't really invest the time and the energy that was necessary to make sure that you could, that you could grow and, and you feel like you're, you were, your growth was stunted in whatever area that was and, and you've had to learn it yourself and figure it out along the way instead of having someone teach it to you. None of us were there when Ezekiel is giving this message. Uh, that Jerusalem has fallen and making sense of it. But in some way or another, we can all resonate with this feeling that those who have been placed in authority have not fulfilled their calling and being left to deal with the consequences of that. 
But what God says in this passage is that the people are not left to deal with it on their own. The shepherds are not responsible to the people that they failed to lead. They are responsible to the God who placed them in authority to begin with. And we can look at those in authority and be frustrated and think they're not fulfilling their duty, but there's really not anything we can do about it. But this passage shows us that when God's people are neglected, God stands with his people. Selfishness has no place in God's people. God will not stand for his people being used as a means to someone else's ends. He removes these bad shepherds from their position, but what do you do next in that scenario? What do you do if you've made wedding vows with someone, you've proclaimed in front of witnesses that you will only love and cherish one another forever, and that other person turns right around and is unfaithful? And they come to you and they say they did it once, but they're not going to do it again. But then they do it again, and then they do it again, and again, and again, and again. Over the course of centuries, Israel has been unfaithful to God. So how does God respond? Well, let's see. In verses 11 to 24. For this is what the Sovereign Lord says. I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. As a shepherd looks after his scattered flock when he is with them, so will I look after my sheep. I will rescue them from all the places where they were scattered on a day of clouds and darkness. I will bring them out from the nations and gather them from the countries, and I will bring them into their own land. I will pasture them on the mountains of Israel, on the ravine, in the ravines and in all the settlements in the land. I will tend them in a good pasture. And the mountain heights of Israel will be their grazing land. There they will lie down in good grazing land. And there they will feed in a rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. I myself will tend my sheep and have them lie down, declares the sovereign Lord. I will search for the lost and bring back the strays. I will bind up the injured and strengthen the weak. But the sleek and the strong I will destroy. I will shepherd the flock with justice. As for you, my flock, this is what the Sovereign Lord says. I will judge between one sheep and another, and between rams and goats. Is it not enough for you to feed on the good pasture? Must you also trample the rest of your pasture with your feet? Is it not enough for you to drink clear water? Must you also muddy the rest with your feet? Must my flock feed on what you have trampled and drink what you have muddied with your feet? Therefore, this is what the Sovereign Lord says to them. See, I myself will judge between the fat sheep and the lean sheep. Because you shove with flank and shoulder, butting all the weak sheep with your horns until you have driven them away, I will save my flock and they will no longer be plundered. I will judge between one sheep and another. I will place over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he will tend them. He will tend them and be their shepherd. I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David will be prince among them. I, the Lord, have spoken. God's response to people who have wandered away is to draw them near. 
Instead of writing them off, God says that he will go after them himself. No matter how far away they have wandered, God will search them out. God will bring them back to what he has prepared for them. He will bring them rest. He will provide for them like he had called these shepherds to do. He will bind up their wounds. He will cure their diseases so that these sheep might flourish. God is sufficient when humans fail. For those of us who have experienced what it's like to have bad shepherds, God's response is to come and shepherd himself. He will gather them together to bring them rest and peace. He meets us in our hurts and disappointments so that he can heal us. He promises not to just be a substitute, but to fulfill in a way that no human ever could. For those of us who have been failed by parents, God promises to be our father better than any earthly father we could ever imagine. He provides us with spiritual family to come alongside us in ways that an earthly family never could. Human beings might fail us, but God never does. Human shepherds might have shortcomings, but our God is a shepherd who comes to dwell with his people so that they might be made whole. And when that happens, Ezekiel says that God will bring justice among the flock. And that language sounds harsh to us, maybe because we have 21st century ears, because we live in a time where any and all judgment is bad. But the sort of judgment Ezekiel talks about here is judgment that brings true justice and healing. God says he will come and bring justice that puts a stop to the weak being exploited. He will bring defense to the defenseless. He will bring justice that makes sure all the sheep have plenty to eat, not just the biggest and the strongest. He will make sure all sheep, no matter who they are, no matter what they've done, will be able to enjoy clear water that nourishes them. But how is all this possible? If you were one of the people sitting in exile with Ezekiel, hearing him proclaim this message, you might think to yourself, yeah, Ezekiel, this is a great metaphor. It's still just a metaphor. I'm going to need a little more than a clever speech to get me back into my homeland, to get me back to the home that I have known my entire life, to get me out of this exile. And that's why how this passage ends is so, is so vital. Because God promises that healing, restoration will come when God sends a shepherd like David. It has been a long time, as Ezekiel speaks, since Israel has had a king anywhere remotely close to King David. But Ezekiel promises that one is on the way. There will be a new David who will come and lead and care for God's people. And as people who know the rest of the story, we can turn over to John 10 and see how Jesus himself is that good shepherd. John 10, starting in verse 7, Therefore Jesus said again, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep, so when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, 
and my sheep know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. Jesus is the good shepherd Ezekiel was longing for. He is the entry point into life with God, not the family we were born into, not how much we made last year, not what part of town we live in, not our perfect church attendance record. Jesus is the way and the only way. He has gone out so that he might gather us together no matter how far away we have wandered. He's united us together under himself so that we might enjoy life as a part of the flock of the only shepherd who will never abandon us. Like a shepherd who wants what is truly best for the sheep, no matter what the cost might be to himself, Jesus gave up his life for us. Jesus laid down his life for the sheep on the cross so that we might be saved. All of this that Jesus has done means we can have life to the full, as Jesus puts it there in verse 10. And that's an expression that might give us some pause. There are people in our world today who would take a passage like that verse right there and say that Jesus came to fix any and all life's problems. If you start following Jesus today, you'll never even have a hangnail ever again. And if anyone has lived in this world for more than about 10 minutes, you know that that is not true. So what's Jesus saying here? Is he completely detached from reality when he makes this statement, or is he trying to get at something else? When Jesus says he came that we might have life to the full, he is not saying that if you follow him, all your problems will magically go away. He's saying that our shepherd can be trusted. If we trust in the good shepherd, we have confidence that no matter what we encounter, he will sustain us through it. We are led by a shepherd who will never abandon us. A shepherd who came to love and serve his people even to the point of laying down his life for them. And when we follow that shepherd, we find life. Not life that results in in an immediate increase in our bank account, but life lived with freedom because it's lived in relationship with our creator as he created us to live. Jesus gave up his life so that we might enjoy life with God our Father and with him our Good Shepherd. And we go forth with confidence knowing our God is with us and he is for us. So what does all this mean for the beginning of a sermon series on Psalm 23 where I haven't talked about Psalm 23 really at all? Well, all this talk about bad shepherds and good shepherds is vital for us as we enter into the world of Psalm 23 because the shepherd Psalm 23 is describing this good shepherd who can be trusted. Our God is not a shepherd who needs something from us, who is trying to get something out of us, but is the shepherd who cares for us, who knows exactly what we need, and provides us with good things, and has promised to lead us into life with him. Because Jesus, our good shepherd, laid down his life for us. And so my hope for all of us, no matter where you are with God over the next few weeks, is that we would look closely at this God of Psalm 23, this God who is our shepherd, so that we can experience the comfort that he brings through his son.
Let's pray. God, we are grateful that when we were sheep who were scattered, who were wandered away, who had wandered away, that you came after us. That when, when others might fail us, you are always sufficient. And we have everything we need in you. We thank you for the hope that we have in your son, Jesus. We thank you for the life that he has come to bring us. We ask that you would help us to walk faithfully with you, that we would lean into this life that Jesus is offering us, whatever that might look like through the ups and downs. May we go forth with confidence because our good shepherd is guiding us. And it's in his name that I pray. Amen. We hope that you are encouraged and challenged by this message given by our own senior pastor, Monty French. 